one. Thank you again for coming down and doing this, man. Yeah, man. Good Looking to see you. To it's good to see you too. Uh, I have okay. So two years ago or so, a year and a half, because you used to do the roast a lot, right? Yeah, I yeah. This is the first time I saw you do stand up. Oh yeah. And you are fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah, dude. I'm very good at the roasts. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Uh, well, I don't... cheers, cheers. First cheers. of all, good to see you, man. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I um, I don't. I'm not. I, you know, I don't like toot my own horn too much, but like. I'm pretty good at the roasts. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. gnarly. Like I, I look at especially like because I've always been a huge fan of like the Comedy Central stuff and yeah. all that. But even like just like the local people here are fucking gnarly, dude. It's <laughs> I'm glad. So there's one. They're coming back. They used to be every month or every other month, and then the guy who produces them, Evan Rons, I think he was just a little burnt out from doing it. Fair enough. It's you know it's a lot to produce, a lot to book. So he's doing them less frequently, but they're coming back. This December 29th. I was gonna say on the 29th, right? Yeah. That Friday. You ever thought about yeah. doing them, or just just a just bear witness to the carnage? I am way too early in my my comedy endeavors. Fair to, enough, but uh, I would yeah. say, I mean, because I know I can take it, but it's dishing it out that I'm not good at. If you like writing jokes, I think it's a perfect exercise for that because. It, it forces you to be succinct. It forces you to like uh, be very um, not obvious, but like you can't waste time. Yeah, like you can't. You just have to be boom, boom, boom. And it's a good exercise in the sense that like the it's easy to write jokes or easy, but I like doing it for a roast because the setup for your joke is standing right there. So everyone in the room, you don't have to spend a lot of time like getting into an idea or how do I, what's the best way into this? Like they're right there. Their face is right there. This is what their face looks like to boil it down. In your experience of both participating and watching, how much of winning a roast battle is the actual prepared material and it's the off the cuff. It can only happen in that moment. Whether it's you're reacting to something that happens organically in the event or you are doing a quick rebuttal that just came to your head off of what the guy just said or gal just said. Some of the quick rebuttals are the best moments. Like you yeah. remember those. They're they get, you know, a big pop. Everyone thinks that's the most that's like oh, when you're leaving, you're like, that was hilarious. Remember when they said that? But you it's if you're gonna win one or at least put up a good showing, like you have to it's all prepared material. The writing of it. Like if you don't come with at least five or six well-crafted and then have some sense of like the order of them or I try and like this is more than I've ever even thought about it <laughs> but like getting into the analysis of the roast but like you I try to at least like order them in such a way that you're bit like try and tackle one subject in one joke exchange and then you don't want to spill that over into the next one but like build off that like this is what this guy looks like is one thing and then this is what he seems like is the next one or this is what and then just kind of freestyling from there but like yeah i would say the the preparing is 90 percent of it how long have you been doing comedy for five years about five years if you take out like i always, i never really know i just say five years because i think it's been five years but like if there was a you know for the covid year so like probably like four right but I started in like late 2018. Okay. And because you're originally from Chicago, yeah. right? Okay. Were you doing comedy at all in Chicago? No, I I started um I started here. I moved for right Frederick Tim's going to like make sure the cameras oh, yeah, are no angled. Worries. Um I moved uh to Florida right after college, lived there for like 6 months and then moved to New Mexico after that and then started doing comedy. So like I actually did comedy in Chicago for the first time this summer. I uh, hadn't had no like, well, cause like people say like, Oh, you're from Chicago. Yeah. Big comedy city. I don't, I didn't have any connections. I didn't know anybody. Um, so just went there for a few months this summer and like tried to make those connections and meet people and <clears throat> start getting booked there. And it was good. It's a big scene. It's just big mostly like, the more you travel, like it feels like every city's comedy scene is kind of exactly the same. It's just <laughs> varying sizes of it. Like they have the same people. 
Right, the same archetype of comedian. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't even feel like an archetype. You're just like, that is that guy. That's the <laughs> exact same person. Um, I think I've heard him do that joke, but like... The podcast is sponsored by the amazing people over at Chop Chili Company. If you've been a listener to the podcast for a while, you know that I love these guys and their amazing chili. And right now they are running a special offer exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Go online to chopchilico.com and use code ONLYKINGS at checkout. And not only will you receive 25% off your entire order, you will also get a free cookbook based on Hatch Chili recipes free at checkout. Like I said, go to chopchilico.com and use code ONLYKINGS at checkout. And not only will you receive 25% off your order, you will also get a free cookbook to go with your chili. They are also in stores across New Mexico at stores such as Albertsons, John Brooks, Lowe's, and a bunch more in cities such as Albuquerque, Santa Fe, Tucumcari, Las Vegas, Roswell, Rio Doso, and even Hobbs, New Mexico. And for our listeners in El Paso, Texas, we are in your supermarkets as well. Like I said, go to chopchilico.com, use code ONLYKINGS at checkout for 25% off and a free cookbook. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, so that was interesting to like dive into that pool because um, it's there's just a, a lot of bodies. Right. Yeah. I was talking about this. I haven't put the episode out yet, but I was talking about this with Tyler Lovely when he came through last week. Do you ever get, because obviously you want to do this long term. You're doing it for fucking five years and you're doing comedy yeah. full time. So what is your thought on the, the explosion of comedy right now? So many people are trying it. People are calling it oversaturated, but there's too many people doing it. Like I have my own thoughts on that, but... Do you even spend time thinking about that? Does that worry you at all? Does that take up any headspace? I don't. I mean, I get. Do people say that? Like, I is that a yeah. is that a narrative out there that there's, it's I've, oversaturated? I've heard that both in person and I mean, I take the online stuff with a grain of salt. But if yeah. you keep seeing a narrative over yeah. and over and over again, yeah. I mean, if people think that, I just I don't. I guess I don't spend time thinking about it. But I don't feel that that's like. I can't imagine. I have not been to a city yet where there isn't an appetite from an audience to even just, and not just for like one particular show. Like if you go to Denver, uh, they have arguably the best comedy scene anywhere. Like really? Say, I mean, it depends what you like, but like obviously New York is, you know, New York, but like, People say Denver's by far the best comedy scene in between the coast. That's one argument. You know, people like Chicago too, but like it's impossible to spend a week in Denver or even just a weekend and think like there's no app, there's too much comedy because there's the crowds there and the, all the d diversity of rooms and the different shows they have in so many different places, all the clubs they have. And that's not even counting like a huge name from Netflix or something coming through and doing like the Paramount theater and they sell that out for a weekend. But like, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like that's, I'm, I'd be curious to hear what Tyler said about it, but like, I don't, if you like doing it, who cares? Like, right. I do think there's a saturation. This could just be my social media. Cause that's all I have on there is comics and other comedians. Yeah. And I get sick of seeing stand up reels, you know, like I don't, <laughs> I'll I'll watch it if I like the person, but if it's just someone I follow because I've met them once, I'm scrolling right. I was like, I know, I know how the I know the structure of this. Like, yeah. I, there's a chance you surprise me, but I've heard it, and I don't. It's not that it's not good, but it's just like we're all just feeding the beast. Like you have to do it. I would love there to to hit that saturation point with that and start to come back down where it's like people don't feel compelled. That like if you're not posting your stand-up clips, if you're not producing on social media, then you're not. It's like the only way you can hope to get plucked from obscurity or have a following or get booked at these clubs. Like it's not the best incentive structure, I don't think. I don't think it makes you a better comic to just be so social media focused. So from that perspective, I do think there's too much, but that's also just could just be my algorithm. But I don't think in terms of like audiences and people like buying tickets that there's too much. Like when Tom Segura came to Albuquerque, 
earlier this year they were re- it sold out immediately and resale tickets were like 800 bucks right well he's coming through again in like march or some shit I think. yeah or january one of the well, two yeah if you sell tickets for 800 you're yeah. definitely going to make albuquerque another stop on yeah. your new tour but like i mean then that's just here like i don't know what it is in other places but yeah i don't i don't feel like that's a problem i just think and especially if you are in it and you like doing it and you like the craft of it and trying to get better at it not the kind of thing you think about really yeah. i don't know no that may, uh, granted i'm not surprised to hear you say that but it makes sense and i think unfortunately the social media aspect the incentive they're saying the incentive structure i don't think that's going away anytime soon just because yeah. of how big it is and how right. and i think at face value a lot of people look at someone like matt rife and it's like oh well he just got famous off of one clip it's like well yeah but he also had over a decade's worth of yeah. putting in time and effort and all this kind of type of shit. The people yeah. conveniently overlook that, but they do focus on the instant gratification of, oh, well, this reel that I put up got 70 likes. This one got 82. Right? Is that progress? Am I getting better? And you're right. That is a bad incentive structure to look at when you're trying to do this specific thing well, better. Well, it's – I guess you're – I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but what I – to just to make my point more clear, I think is that like it's a bad incentive structure as far as getting better at comedy. I no, I agree. Because like you, yeah. you're not getting, you're not becoming a better joke writer if all you're thinking about is uh, you're not building your act better if all you're thinking about is uh, what's the quickest way to get this joke out. Like it has to hold some, you know, a 13 year old TikToker's attention right. for eight seconds, and it just sucks. And Matt Rives a whole other thing, but like, and you know, we could spend hours talking about that dynamic. But it's 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 all in this area that we're that we're into. But like, you know, like I don't. I think people can criticize, like, and or not, criticize maybe the wrong word, but like, just think he's not that good. But like the the results speak. Like he sells. He sold out like a world tour in like thirty minutes. Yeah. Like so, it's like, but that speaks to the power of social media and that's why the incentive structure like that's why people are doing it you're not yeah. going to get to that le- like he's the, the he's got that market like people who don't know anything about stand-up comedy will like my friend's mom at a wedding this summer is like just knows i do comedy and they're just like do you know matt rife like that if he's right. he broke through to the regular civilians mindset who doesn't know about comedy doesn't care has never been to a show but like your algorithm shows you him because you liked one of his videos or whatever. But in that sense, I, I wouldn't criticize or hate on him too much. Cause like in that sense, he might be bringing more people to the table. Like somebody like that who makes a comment to me about like, Oh, you do comedy. Do you know about Matt Rife? Like maybe they like Matt Rife so much. They branch out into Mike Birbiglia, fucking John, you know, whoever they or, like, they, yeah. Bill, uh, yeah oh, Matt, uh, Bill Burr's now in my algorithm, whatever like that. Right. Well, and then it, it, my thought process on that too is to build on that is they then they go to Google and they're like comedy in my town. Yeah. And now they're exposed to what local stuff looks like. For better or worse, they're yeah. exposed to what that looks like. Um, and personally, that's why I am pretty fucking excited. I know there's a lot of nonsense around it. Uh, I'm going to have to go in if you don't want to. But like personally, I'm quite excited for the comedy canteen that's happening oh, in, yeah. in Santa Ana. It's in Santa Ana, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, up in Bernalillo. Um, I'm very excited for that because I just looked at the lineup of people that right. are coming. I'm not the biggest uh, Stephen Milo Casado fan, not just because like he's not my like my type for comedy. Sure, but I looked at the lineup of people that he does have coming. I'm like, oh shit! Like yeah. I know that person from Kill Tony. I know this person from this podcast. Right. I know this, but I'm like, oh fuck! Like, and then and I was talking about this with Tyler as well. But I would imagine that because you give me the impression that you you're great at comedy. Well, thank you. But oh, okay. but. But you also understand you understand the business side of it too. You just give me that yeah. that impression of that. And my thought process on this, and I'd love to be told that I'm wrong, or I would hate to be told that I'm wrong. But if we have a bigger uh, comedy club, that's the, that's that's what they're treating it right as an actual comedy club. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we have a bigger comedy club that these big name acts can come to. It seats like 300, 400 people. And that now gives so like if someone like uh, like I know Shane Torres is coming, yeah. uh, Ali Makovsky's coming. So let's say they're coming in, they're like, hey, uh, either I 
purposefully did not bring a feature or an opener or mm-hmm. my I only bought a feature or my feature got sick or whatever. They're or saying they that, don't travel with one. Exactly. Not, yeah. Exactly. So it's like, hey, give me your best feature. Right. Give me your who's got the tightest five minutes, the tightest eight minutes. And yeah. now you got local people who can now go in front of a lot more people than they would have ever been exposed to. Yeah. And then the turnaround on that, in my mind, is Let's say you are that person that gets a Matt Rife in their algorithm, and they yeah. look up stand-up comedy. They see the show that they just missed. It's like, oh, well, we missed this Trip Still Nicky guy at Santa Ana, but he's going to be at Dry Heat next weekend. Right. If he's good enough for that, he's got to be great. Let's go fucking check it out. Yeah. Now more business goes everywhere else. I mean, anybody who says anything other than what you just said is not being honest about wanting comedy to succeed in New Mexico and in Albuquerque. Like, it's just... I mean, it's a cliche, but a rising tide is, is lifts all boats. It's it's just there's no world in which having a club like that is bad for comedy in our city or in New Mexico. Yeah. There's no world in which I hope it's successful. You know, I I hope to check it out. I can't wait to see it, and like I hope. But seeing the fact that they opened or they're at their opening and that they have acts booked out a few months out it's like you know opening any kind of business is tough so like you want to see that they're doing it right there's so intention behind it too there's some intentionality and they've done it i mean they had comedy there before covid so it's not like they're new to comedy it wasn't Stephen michael quezada's club it, it was, was called the stage right yeah. that's what i was told because I, I again i've lived here my whole life but i am so ignorant to entertainment here up until two years ago when I started well, doing this podcast. It's not, I wouldn't say ignorant, but it's probably just that, like you, like maybe like a lot of people, you just we don't. It doesn't seem like we have a central. I mean, information is so fragmented anyway these days. But it's not like you pulled you twenty years ago. You'd open the newspaper and you'd be like, "Here's everything that's happening this weekend." Right. That the, if you're not connected on these certain Facebook groups or whatever, you have no idea. Right. And that's why advertising for shows can be so difficult and all that. But like having. I mean, Dry Heat is great. God bless Sarah and Kelly. They do a great job. They've been open a year and a half now. Like, they get... It's clear, like, they have a they have a certain kind of comic who's going to headline that club. Some people have headlined a few times. Like, I opened for Shang Wang last week. Like, he's a, he's a big name. He's a Netflix guy. They can pull those kinds of people, but there are certain comics who aren't going to perform in a club that small. That's just right. the way it is. It's not worth their while. I'm not speaking yeah. ill or I don't think out of no, turn so, about their rates. Of, it's fact just of business, right? You're not going to do it. But if you have a weekend at the casino and then you're there here for an extra day because you've never been to Albuquerque or whatever you're doing, I don't know what your run looks like. There's no reason you wouldn't pop in and do a spot there too. It's just it's a different kind of comic doing a different kind of room. Like a Kyle Kinane would do dry heat, I would think. But it's not like he wouldn't or couldn't do uh uh the Santa Ana star but it's like they're just like you're not gonna ever get a a theater comic or an audit not a theater like because dry heat is a theater but you know what I mean like a like someone a, who would sell out anywhere between five to eight hundred seats right they're not gonna they're do not 60 gonna do seater exactly it's just not and and I don't think you're you're speaking now granted from what I've been told from like secondhand information there are people that would hear that in Albuquerque and say well you're just you're talking bad about dry. He's like, no, that's called talking business. And I'm sure Sarah and Kelly will say the same exact thing. Cause they're smart. Anyone. I, I, I mean, there was some like social media, like fluff about the Quezada's club from the scene. And it's all just very with meaning, no disrespect, but it's very, um, maybe this is what you mean by when you say like, I understand the business. Cause it's like, uh, I don't know if this is true for other things. I just really know comedy, but like, complaining about or having some kind of axe to grind truly gets you nowhere in comedy. Like it really, you can be mad that this guy got booked on this and I think I'm funnier than him, but he got it. She got this. I, we came up at the same time. I should have been whatever it is like that. You can feel that, but just to let that like animate you and be how you are reacting to comedy truly does nothing for you. It just, and so like anyone who's, feeling aggrieved about that it's like bro you gotta just like more comedy's good for everybody like there's there's enough fucking people in albuquerque to support three clubs yeah and having the club at the star 
is Rio Rancho and Bernalillo, which is its own thing. Mm -hmm. So, like, downtown has dry heat. Hyenas is going to be an uptown if they ever open. Okay, so I was going to say, is Hyenas actually going to happen? From what I've heard, it's always been, like, two months away. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not speaking ill on them because I do know, like, how difficult it can be to get approvals and construct. You know, those things do happen, and it's hard to open a brick-and-mortar business. So I get it, but it's also, like... It's been a year of like two months away. So I right. ho- I hope it opens, but I don't think that there's, it's not a zero sum game at that point. Maybe if we, if Albuquerque, Albuquerque's and uh, the greater Albuquerque's half a million people, you can have three clubs. You can have different acts coming through. I mean, people are making runs from Texas to Vegas, Texas, California, vice versa, like, or Phoenix even. And there's, I think there's enough appetite uh, audience wise and enough comedy to to what we were talking about earlier. There's enough, God knows, there's enough comedians out there to fill those spots, like traveling around trying to get up and selling tickets. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't know if you've had Zach Abeda on. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, you know what? I literally just sent him a text because he's in Austin right now. Oh yeah. So yeah, I saw that. Good um, guy. He made a point to me. We were talking about Denver. Cause I had just been there. He had, I can't remember. And we were just talking about the differences between Denver and Albuquerque. And he said something to the effect of Denver's just, I mean, Denver's comedy scenes. I don't want to even compare them to us. Cause it's just, they're just like, I, just, I don't want to suck their dick too hard, but it's very, um, it's just, it's on another level, but there Zach's point was they're just a few years ahead of us in terms of comedy being cool for people to do. Audience-wise, we mean like that's well, that's fair because I feel like broadly still with the popularity, comedy is still seen as like the the lower rung of entertainment. Like there's like film yeah. and movies and TVs, like because TV is like elevated so much, right? So there's yeah. like there's like film and TV, music, and then entertainment, entertainment, and then like comedy. Yeah, and that's fine. I don't. Which mean, is I'm not to disparage. No, but like, yeah. I think know. anyone who likes comedies kind of yeah. likes it there. I don't like, but like. In the terms of the kind of people who go to shows in Denver are young, attractive, college age, young 20s, like yuppies. (laughs) They have have a lot more in Denver than we have here. But they go to comedy shows because it's Friday night and that's what you do. Yeah. Yeah, there's concerts. We went to a concert last weekend. Let's go see a comedy show. This person's touring. I saw this person at Comedy Works last week. Oh, I saw this person on Instagram. They're hilarious. I know this person. Whatever it is, they go. Here... We're a few years behind that because not that we don't get young people, but they are by far the minority. And so yeah. just to the to finish the point of like there's enough audience here to support more clubs or more shows, more mics, whatever it is, there's that it's such an untapped we're a college town. And I don't see ever see a UNM student at a fucking comedy show. We I've done comedy shows across the street from campus. There's none. And so you get that. It, it just if there's more comedy, you would hope that it becomes a more socially exciting thing to do for young people on a date, whatever it is. Like it's not that you don't see people on dates, but just not as much. You go to Denver, you see like the demographics are just wildly different. And that was Zach's point was just that it's not a cool, it's not it's not that cool thing to do. Yeah, the Avalanche are playing tonight, but I want to see this guy. Like you would make that decision here. It's like the Lobos round. I'm not going to that show absolutely not i did a show in las cruces last year or maybe it was even this year the aggies were playing uh it was before their season got canceled <laughs> basketball and it was a theater and there were like 30 people there probably like 150 seat theater 30 people yeah. and the the producers kind of freaking out he's like i don't know, know what happened and i was i was looking at my phone i was like yeah the aggies are playing tonight dude it's like the, we're competing with that right so that's what you're going up against what are the in your experience have you put to, as i noticed that a lot of people whether it's in comedy whether it's in music a lot of people double dip like they'll be they'll put together shows and they'll and then they'll perform in shows as well right yeah have you had the experience of putting together a show yourself yeah i produce okay. uh i've had a show at tumble Root. it's in santa fe which is where i lived before i moved here um it's a distillery concert venue um, that was two year anniversary show was in like October. Okay. It's like every month, every other month, sometimes I would skip months, but, um, 
Yeah, big space, like 100, 100 to 150 people each show. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. It was good. I was going to make a trip up there then. Holy shit. Yeah, I haven't booked any for the new year. Um, we'll see if I... The last one was not good, so... I'm <laughs> well, I was going to say, so I guess that answers the question then. What are the biggest marketing hurdles you have to get over yeah. promoting specifically comedy? Because... And, and this is a question that I've asked my music friends. Yeah. Um, where it's like, yeah, I, I, there is so much talent here. And I've learned this firsthand doing this podcast. Like, there is so much fucking talent here. But unless, like, the only reason I know about shows, whether it's music or comedy, is because I am followers or friends of these people that are putting on the shows or that are in the shows. Yeah. Like, if I were, like, I know for a fact that I'm not getting, or that my friends aren't getting comedy uh, yeah. advertisements on their shit. Right. Like I'm the one always telling them about. Yeah, nobody's ever heard of a show that you've put. I, I could be on a show. I'd post it like ten times. People would be like, "Oh, I didn't know you were on that night." I was like, "Dude, I don't." But that's. I mean, we could. I could, I could get into how the algorithm is just the most impossible thing to figure out. Nobody has any answers with that. But I don't. I mean, in my experience running that show in Santa Fe, it seemed to be a little easier because the demographic in Santa Fe is older. So I would kind of do old-fashioned marketing technique. I put in the calendar in the newspaper, uh, you know, do some targeted Facebook. Lots of people on Facebook up there. There's a Facebook community group, so you just post in there. Just trying to get into as many eyes as, as possible, in front of as many eyes as possible, but, like, just kind of using the 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 demographics of that area to your advantage and, like, here, I don't know. I mean, I've, I'm friends with a lot of comics who put, produce shows and some who don't anymore because it was just so hard to fill the seats. Like, I don't have any answers, man. It's, it's hard. I don't, I don't know unless you're the kind of person who seeks it out. Yeah. I have no idea. Like I used to, for the early on in that Santa Fe show, I would, I would spend hours just hanging posters all over town. And then after it kind of became successful, after a few, sh I stopped doing that, thinking like, ooh, I stop showing up. I think I benefited from the fact that it's a venue that has shows every weekend, not comedy. This was the only comedy show, but like, right. there was a certain type of person who would just go to Tumble Root Distillery because they, they like the venue. Whatever they're showing, I'll pay the ten bucks. I mean, that's oh, how I feel folk about folk music. Cool. Yeah. That's how I feel about Launchpad. Yeah, I'll just drop into Launchpad. I don't care who the band is right. or whatever. Like, I'm, well, if they got Launchpad, they should be decent. So then the question becomes, like, how do you as a venue or a producer become like Launchpad is in your head where it's like, whatever it is, it'll be good. Yeah. And usually, if it's like Dry Heat Comedy Club, I think has the problem. You know, I don't think I'm saying anything Sarah and Kelly don't already know, but, like, since they don't have alcohol at most shows, people are not going to just go there because – they are want to go out for the night. They they're coming out for us. Your audience is there to see the show. They're not just like strolling in. Like we'll have a drink. I don't care who's on. Like whatever. Right. Doing doing comedy show tonight. That's it. Right. We went to the movies last night. Let's do comedy tonight. And so alcohol and you know just knowing about places. Whether it's like you just have that reputation in people's heads. Like yeah, it's an element of decompression with the two. It's like I trust the venue to. Bring yeah. good entertainment, and I know they have booze, even if it is not that great. Yeah. Having a beer after work, yeah. or I'm kicking off Saturday, whatever it's going to be. I've been there before. It's been yeah. good. It'll be good again. Exactly. Yeah. I have a theory about why we don't have, why it's hard to attract people to downtown specifically. Yeah. And used to work in you government. Mean other than fentanyl? Yeah. Well, yeah, that adds <laughs> into it, right? Is, uh, and you used to work in government, so I think you can yeah. add a bit of insight to that. Um, I think well, Albuquerque as a city has the stigma, but I think downtown, meaning like the bar district, and then honestly, it kind of extends out to Knob Hill as well. People are just, generally speaking, they are not as inclined to just go downtown and say, hey, what's going on tonight? Because yeah. of the crime that's rampant, doesn't look like government's doing a whole lot to stop it, yeah. and it's a lot of... Um, it's like, I don't even, I, there has to be a better term for it, but it's like whatever government virtue signaling is, that's yeah. what they do, right? It's like, yeah, we're going to do, we're going to fix crime by doing this big thing. And then it fizzles out, nothing comes out of it. Right. And then they commit to it for like a week, yeah. right? Whether it's because they're too, they're too inept to act on whatever they say they're going to act on or the, like we saw recently with the, uh, the gun ban, 
the yeah. public was like, that's stupid. Even right. for a liberal city, what you just said is stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of it has to do with the almost unmanageable crime and homelessness that's going on. Because think about, cause I yeah. think about it like, like I had heard of um, barking, right? I had heard yeah. that term, but I didn't know what it was until I watched uh, Crashing on HBO. Have sure. you seen that show? Yeah, the Pete Holmes. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, that would, I don't know how effective that is. I understand. 0%. Yeah. But like, you'll never, <laughs> my point in bringing that up is you'll never see that in Albuquerque. That will we, never happen. We do try it for some dry heat shows, but yeah, people are, if you're downtown, you're there to go to a show yeah, or You are making a yeah, beeline to your bar of choice. Yeah. 100%. I don't, I mean, look, I don't have any answers about homelessness or drug abuse. And like, uh, clearly well, no one does. It's well, like, right. it's well, it's the specific, will to do it. I guess it's specifically its effect on like comedy, right? Yeah. On the ability to promote shows, get people downtown. <sighs> That's why I think Santa Ana is such a good spot. And even like Uptown. Yeah. Uptown would be fucking great for hyenas to show up. Lots of traffic there. Yeah. yeah. I just, I mean, one, I think under, I mean, I don't know if this is just something I think about. I don't know. I just I've lived in enough places to say like Albuquerque is not just downtown, the least walkable place <laughs> I've yeah. ever been. Yeah, it's the least like for dude, real. It's a car. It's a city made for cars. Yeah, and so that contributes to it. Yeah, because you like you walk in Denver. I've talked a lot about Denver. This this whole podcast could be an ad for Denver, uh, but it's true in Chicago too. Chicago is more like a city of neighborhoods. But I'm just thinking of like the 16th Street Mall in Denver. They got homeless people there. It's kind of dingy. It's not as nice, you know, as maybe it used to be. I don't know. But it's just, it's a walkable artery. And around there are clubs, bars. There's just, instead of like in Albuquerque where it's you're, it's very destination-based because we're a car-centric city. Like you have to... When, you, when you're leaving your house, you're going somewhere to go to that place. You're going right. to this bar. You're going to this concert venue. You're going to the movies. You're going to the comedy club. You're not just, let's park in a parking garage and just see where the night takes us. No one does that ever. Right. Whether it's the, in the crime and the, you know, the, the homelessness definitely play a factor in that. But it's like, even if downtown was wiped free of all that, can you imagine just like, Right. Let's just stroll. It's like it's not very nice to walk around. It's office buildings. It's just kind of not. So that's part of it, I think, is like because barking, maybe it's I said 0% successful. Maybe it works in New York. I can't imagine. But like a city like that where people are walking everywhere, it's public transportation. You're just around. I'd be open to it. You know, some guy says like, oh, this person's at the show. You know, maybe he's lying. I don't know. I got yeah, I no plans. It's like, Jerry Seinfeld's going to be the, well, yeah, well, no. comics like Jerry yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, the guy's doing, the guy doing a Jerry Seinfeld impression. But like, you're just kind of walking around like the wind. I remember in college or even just in Chicago, because Chicago's a city and neighborhoods. Like, you just kind of, you're like, we're, we're in this neighborhood. We're in Wicker Park tonight. Yeah. Figure it out from there. You know, we're like, you just oh, let's take a subway, go to this area. You just kind of you're just in the wind, and that does not happen here. And so like, it, I mean, you're never gonna. That's just infrastructure. That's zoning. That's like I don't know how you fix that. That's just the way it is. And Albuquerque is also very limited because we're surrounded by tribal land. We're not gonna build new places. Right. It is what it is. Yeah. So like, having a club at the casino in uh, at Santa Ana and Uptown where pe the people are, are you know thousands of people are there every day for the mall or for shop, whatever it is, restaurants. Those are good places to have them because that works with what we have. Right. So nobody's, it's not a pedestrian paradise. No, here. you're right. Yeah. No, you are completely fucking right. To shift gears a little bit into your life, um, you move to Santa Fe from Chicago, get a job yeah. at the newspaper. Yeah. Okay. So how long were you at the newspaper for? Um, about three years. Okay. Yeah. Did your writing for the newspaper, did that help you write it? Did that help you in your writing at all with comedy? Were there any, was there any type of, uh, crossover there? Interesting. Uh, I never thought about that. I don't think so. The only way those two things overlap is that at the newspaper, you had to write fast. Like I'm a very fast writer. And whether it's good or not, it's kind of secondary because in a newspaper setting, the newspaper is coming out every day, no matter what. So it, at a certain point, it doesn't have to be good. It just has to be done. Was it true that 
newspapers generally have to be written at a third grade reading level so that everyone can read it. No. I remember getting told that as a kid. Or not as a kid, like when I was like middle school or high school. No. I mean, maybe that's... So I it's like accessible to the public? That might be... That's not a rule or anything they teach you. That might be like subconsciously you're, you don't want to be inaccessible. So like you might dumb yeah. it down, but like... Again, like to what I'm saying, you don't have the time to write some flowery prose. Like you just got to get it out. Like what happened? Who did I talk to? This is what it is. It's done. I got to get out of here. I got to get to the bar. Like you don't have. <laughs> so in that sense, it has, it connects to my comedy in the sense that that's an interesting question because maybe it does in other ways, but I don't think so. But like it forces you to not be precious. And I think, I mean, I can't speak for other people, but like there are times where I'll spend too much time on it thinking about it. Just like, I can't crack it. What the hell? You got to just get up and do it. Like you're not going to learn. There's this, there's diminishing returns to just sitting and stewing on an idea. And I don't suffer too much from that. Cause I, I have had that practice of like, whatever it is, just get it out. Just, you, you know, I'm very deadline oriented in that way. Cause newspapers are all deadlines. So it helped in that sense. But like in terms of writing otherwise, I mean, newspaper writing was, I love writing. I'm, I come from that background, but it's not, it's not fun. So, I mean, right. it informed my comedy in the sense that I learned what I didn't like to write. And I didn't like uh, the feeling of being in the center of conflicts, whether it's political or neighborhood disputes whatever it is and you kind of got to have both sides in there even when you have feelings about it and you kind of got to bury those and try to be neutral and fair and it's like i'd rather just say what the fuck i think like i don't you can only do so much there are people who write in newspapers their whole lives and that's great but i just i knew like pretty early on i was like i don't it's not that my opinions are so great i gotta get them out there the world needs to hear them but i i makes me happier to do uh, to sort of like m instead of asking what other people think about things sort of ask myself like how I feel about it and go from there well it sounds like if there were like to be two takeaways from that to comedy the first one right has to be quick so obviously that applies to the rose battles but then at the other point too it sounds like you can find yourself <clears throat> you can find yourself in a good happy medium between okay and something that I'm learning personally in writing jokes is that the, the most important part about the joke other than it being funny is why is it your perspective why is it your opinion on the matter but then also you have to be in service of what you're writing in service of the joke so in that way you can't be too committed to it if it's not working it's not working yeah it can help that whatever muscle in your brain that helps you diffuse that information it sounds like it kind of applies that way too yeah and like just to kind of adjacent <laughs> to what you're saying is like structure so, like, newspaper writing or news writing in general is very, like, most important information first. The inverted pyramid is what they call it. So, like, the most important information is the biggest part. And then as you go down in the story, it can be more more inner, just sort of sideways stuff. But uh, in comedy, there is a – like, you know, every joke is different, but there are certain structures that if you can – when you've heard enough comedy and done enough comedy, you kind of – have this pattern recognition where you're like you have a thought you're like oh this could be funny and you kind of start to understand intuitively almost like this is the important part of that idea start with this or you can flip it around and it's funnier that way like invert it but there's there is this idea of like not just like not being precious about it and like sort of letting an idea go if it doesn't work but knowing if you have a good idea how is this the best way to communicate this do you find it hard for you to attach yourself to an idea you might not organically be interested in, but you know there's something funny there? Oh, uh, I don't know. When I was earlier on, I might have had that problem because, like, the more you do it, not like I'm some, I've only, I've been doing comedy five years, not like I'm some great expert, but you do start to get a sense of this is my voice. Like, I'm writing the joke in from my perspective and I think all good jokes truly all like I don't really think there's any exceptions good jokes performed by good comedians are very authentic 
to who that person is. And at the end of their set, even if they don't, they aren't explicit about it, you kind of know who that person is. You have an idea of like, I know where this person's coming from. And so you don't have, you don't, like you wouldn't even have that problem of, I do, I did write this down in my notebook. It seems like a funny idea. I just, I'm not that interested. You wouldn't even get into that because you're like, it's not coming from any organic, authentic place of me. And so the more you do it, I do think that sort of falls away. We are like, the only things I'm interested in writing about or talking about on stage are these subjects right now. Or that's not to rule out anything, but you're like, I'll have an idea. And it's like, if you have an idea that's kind of not, yours or not not like coming from not not authentic to you you're not going to spend too much time on that right what i wonder if it has hit you yet but like what what part of your of the last five years of doing comedy was there ever a point where it's like okay no i'm not only do i enjoy this but i might actually be really good at it and then to take that a step further i could potentially make this a career like I could actually be a working, sustainable comedian on this type of paycheck. Did that I mean, ever click? Has it clicked yet? The psychotic answer is <laughs> <laughs> no. You know what? And that's funny you say that because I did a po- I was like, I did a guest spot on a podcast like three weeks ago. And again, I am I do not parade myself as a comedian. I don't ever like refer- I, I am a dude that tries comedy. That sure, is how yeah. I refer myself. I, I try comedy. And but a good, good, healthy self perspective because there's people who've done one open mic and they would say, I know what the fuck I am. I've been a comedian, like, yeah, no, definitely the fuck not, no. Um, but uh, because the the two hosts that we've become friends and they know that I've done a couple open mics at that point and they were like, um, you know, when do you, I I just lost my train of thought, holy shit. It just completely like pause it evaporated out of my fucking head. <laughs> um, I you started going because I said I had a psychotic answer. So oh, the delusion, saying, right? Yeah, yeah. They asked, "Thank you, thank you very much." They asked me why did I like try comedy or why do I enjoy it and why do I try it? And I said, "Well, there has to be a healthy level of delusion." Oh, absolutely. To say, yeah. you know what? I think I'm funny. Not only do I think I'm funny to my friends, yeah. you kind of have to be right. I think I'm funny in public. There's a healthy, so when is it, thank you for getting me back on track. So for you, did it click? Has it clicked? Yeah. It was like, okay, I could do this for a career. And then like how much of it was like, or how much of it is, Hey, I have to accept that 25% of this is just hopeful delusion. I'm going to try it anyway. I mean, it's an interesting subject. Like you, you talk about the delusion. Like there's, I would say there's degrees of delusion. There's the delusion. So to answer your question, like what I was going to say is the psychotic answer to that is like right from, right from the start, I was like, I'm good enough. And of course I wasn't, but like I liked comedy enough and I had, despite all the layers of crippling self-hatred and doubt, <laughs> I was like somewhere deep down there, ha- you have to believe in yourself enough to get up at first. And then that fades away after you suck <laughs> for enough time. Doesn't go, it, the light doesn't go out, but it's, you're like, man, this is not immediately hugely successful. What the hell? But you, I do think comedy is very, um, it's very, I shouldn't say fair, but it is, um, I don't know exactly what word I'm looking for, but it, if you take it seriously and you're, you, you do the right, the pr- you're committed to the process of it. If you like doing the writing and the joke creation and the performing enough, you lose that delusion or the delusion is sidelined for a more healthy um, understanding of and gratitude for the little victories that you get along the way. And so like for me, I would honestly say last year. So depending on with the COVID, like taking that out, I'm four or five years in. Last year was the first time, I remember saying this to other comics that I'm friends with at the time, I was like, it was like March of last year. I was like, this is the first time I'm actually having fun doing it i forgot to have fun because i was so focused on just trying to get better 
that it took me that long. Maybe it takes other people longer. Maybe people just always have fun. For me, it's like three, three, four years in where I was like, I started to, and I, I don't think it was because I started getting better. That didn't hurt. But it, I, I just sort of unlocked something from doing it enough that I was like, I, I'm remembering that I, I'm, I like doing this. I'm getting, I can feel myself getting better at it. And I'm prioritizing the fun. And I guess that's what I mean by instead of saying I'm, it's fair, but comedy is one of those things where the more you do it and it's impossible, it's a lifelong, it's like golf. You know, you're never going to, you could, Tiger Woods <laughs> doesn't hit a hole in one every hole, but you get something. I do think there's a lot of golf analogies or baseball with, with comedy, but like, the more you do it, the more you unlock. Like, I didn't realize that this was, that's what I mean by like the little victories of like, I didn't realize this was a goal for me was to get better at this part of it, but I have. And so I I get some satisfaction from that. So for me, from right from the beginning, I thought I was good enough. And then I did it enough that I learned how wrong I was and started to appreciate the incremental but steady progress that I was making just by being committed to it. So it was gratifying in that way to like feel that kind of breakthrough of like, oh yeah, you gotta have fun. Like shit, this is fun. I like doing this. And then that gives you a second win. But like, I don't know. I mean, I still don't, <laughs> I think part of your question was like, how do you make, you know, like, do you feel like you can make a living off of it? It's like, I, don't, I mean, I would love to, love to be even just a road comic and like make enough to just scratch out a living doing it because it's like, it's the only thing I like to do. So that's the goal. But like, I mean, I talk with my friend Chuck Parker about this a lot. He's another good comic. Yeah, shout out on, Chuck. But... I had him on the podcast oh, too. Oh, you did? Yeah, great guy. Nice. See um, him most Wednesdays. So yeah, yeah great guy. He's, uh, me and him have lots of good comedy talks, but like just talking about like the process of it and just like, I'm a Cubs fan and like Joe Madden, the manager when they won the world series had a, one of his mottos was like the process over the results. And I do think it applies to comedy because you, you just got to focus on what you can control. And for most people and for me, that's just getting better. Like every, try and learn more about this art form, more about your uh, ability to what your strengths are, like what you like doing, keeping it fun for yourself and can't worry about like the results. I mean, like, if you do the right things, hopefully, but at the end of the day, it's like that's out of your hands. All you can control is just trying to get funnier. What element of it made it fun for you again? Not made it fun for you again, but it helped you rediscover what the fun of it is. Like, what Was it an element or elements of it? Was Man. it? I don't know. It's just like it wasn't even that I didn't. I, if you had asked me like a week before I had that realization, I would have said like, yeah, I'm having fun. So it's not like I was aware of it and like searching for some like breakthrough. I was just like something clicked and I was like maybe it was that I started to feel myself getting better at it. But I was just like uh, or like you, you, not that you see some light at the end of the tunnel, but you're just like I've been doing so many shitty gigs. I'm starting to get better opportunities or whatever it is like just I don't I mean. I truly don't know. I mean, it might have just been like doing enough shows with enough frequency that I was just feeling more comfortable on stage. And like, it's like, took me like three, took me like almost that long, like to, uh, and I see this with a lot of like, you know, open micers and new people, not, not specifically singling you out or anything, but like there are people who, when they like, and this was true for me too, like I'm not early on, you're not inside your body. Like, if you're not comfortable with public speaking, which, and no one would be in a comedy setting, it's impossible. You're like, you're hearing things and you're seeing out of your eyes, but you're not really. Like, you're kind of, you're not all the way present. And so, one of the things was that I just felt more present on stage. And that's just the only way you get there is reps. Like, I just felt like, I could make decisions on stage, like choose to talk to this person that's been talking the whole show instead of just like trying to force your way through it and ignore them. Like, right. no, I actually feel confident enough to address this and make this funny and not let everyone feel uncomfortable or like change stream in the middle of the, your set. Like that's not working. Don't do that. Like feeling that flexibility on stage and like that comes with the experience. Like the only way you'll get that, that is, I mean, you can't buy that. You got to, 
you got to work your way to that point. And so like, I just started to feel more, more flexible and like comfortable just making decisions and being present. See, and it's funny you say that I, cause growing up, like I was the kid in middle school and high school that if we had to do public speaking, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like I will call in sick. Right. I will, I would, I will take an F on that oh, assignment. Yeah, it's horrible. Like, please go fuck yourself. I will not do this. Right. Yeah. And every time I tell the story, I have to give huge credit to uh, Amory Castillo because she's the one that told me this. Because uh, the first time I did stand up was at the open mic that her and Buck ran for a little bit of time at yeah. Inside Out. And I've told them both of this. I've told both of them this many times. I'm very sad that that, that open mic went away because sure. I fucking, I thought that was a blast. Yeah. Cheap drinks, great venue. It was nice outside. We yeah. sweated our asses off a couple times, yeah. but it was fun. Yeah. It was a cool place. Um, but when I went up for the first time and did, did the open mic there, uh, she had to come up to me. Otherwise, she, God, God bless her because how transparent she was. She goes, you need to work on your writing because yeah. your writing sucks, but you're good on stage. And I was like, I will take that. Yeah. Thank you very much. And it's funny you say the pres- like I bring that up because of the present, uh, being present on stage. I find that like I, for whatever reason, if I had to go up there, if you told me to give a speech, mm-hmm. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. But if going up and doing comedy, again, I've only done like two small shows at a brewery that were free. Yeah. And then just open mics Still. after that, right? Yeah. Just open mics after that. I've never, with the exception of those two like actual, because they were, they were shows, but aside from those two, I've never been nervous for an open mic. Right. If not for just... Not nervous, but just questioning the strength of what I'm about to say. Yeah. You know, the strength of the joke, the strength of the tag, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, you're apprehensive just because you're like, eh, will yeah. this work? Yeah. And but that's different from being nervous. Right. And then I get up there, and I'm doing my best to, like, lean into this because, like you just said, I know that it takes a I, – I feel – I don't say this, like, to boast or anything. I say because I'm very thankful. Yeah. I'm very thankful that I'm not nervous up on stage or I'm not nervous in front of crowds doing comedy. And the weird thing is, like, if I get through my joke or I get through whatever bit I'm doing and then I just stop for a couple seconds and, like, almost recenter, yeah, that almost resets the whole thing. Yeah. You know? Well, that's that's a – it's a very – I mean, that is something that uh, takes a lot of people a long time to get to is, like, slowing down. Because you see new comics and even just inexperienced comics, like, just sort of sprint through their jokes – or if they're not doing that, like from one to like, they won't let the crowd laugh. Like you, like they're. I literally have to tell myself if I if I get a laugh, I have to tell myself in my head to shut up. Well, even for someone who's really good at comedy, you have to. There's a. Uh, there's a not fear, but there's a, there's a there's a something. It's like the whole. It's where the rubber meets the road. Is like when you hit your punchline. Are you going to let that sit there and give them a chance to laugh at it? Or are you going to run to your next joke because you're afraid of that silence? Right. If it didn't hit. And so you get, I mean, there's comics I know who, dude, they've been doing comedy longer than me, and they still don't do that. They won't let that silence just sort of sit there because it's terrifying. Because if they don't laugh, then this whole thing is a jerk off. What the fuck am I doing up here? you got to let it sit. And that's the confidence that comes with whether whether it's reps or good writing or both or stage presence. Like at a certain point you realize like, I don't need to be afraid of that silence. And in fact, that's what makes the comedy work is you're not preaching to them and moving on to your next thing. We're in dialogue. You're not speaking, but there are pauses that you must fill that for this to work. And I have to give you the space to do that. And there's that's when it starts to feel like magic is when you're like, I'm offering this, they're receiving it. You just sort of let that laugh die out. And then you're like, from square one, here we go again. And that is when it's when you're riding, when you feel in the pocket like that, that's when it's at its best. But like, I mean, it, and I've noticed that about you. You are good on, you are, and your writing's fucking shit. But <laughs> Amory was right. But no, that. There, there is a, you do have a good, you're not afraid up there. And you, I think even anybody who's watching would be like, yeah, this guy, this guy's comfortable talking, which 
I mean, it, for me, it took me a while to feel comfortable talking, but like I was confident in the jokes, but I wasn't delivering them right because I was sprinting through them because I was just not the the delivery. The, my material was better than my stage presence. So there was a mismatch of like people would be like, that was funny, but I didn't, I had a note once from a, I was in a play uh, early on when I was doing comedy and the director gave me a note in the play that actually was perfect for comedy too because it was a funny play. I helped write it. And it was, so it was a comedy and my, I, as a character, I, he just comes up to me after one rehearsal and he's just like, you got happy feet. And I was like, what? I don't know. I'm just moving around too much. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a physical thing, but it's also, a, it's your demeanor. It's everything. And he's like, the audience doesn't know when to laugh because you never stop moving. Like you have to plant mm-hmm. like they're, they're, they're not exactly. And that's like, like what I'm like, it's not just your feet. Like you are, your, your rhythm is off because you're afraid of that silence, that give and take. So you have to plant and deliver. And I've given that note to people too because it was so helpful for me to just like think about it as your feet, but you think about it. It's everything. Like you have to be confident in the line or the thought that you're building to and settle and deliver it. Like you can't be moving around through it. Like you got to cue the audience. This is the funny part. So when you enter, so when you were in, in your beginning stages, and because you said your delivery was good, but your stage presence was poor, it, the inflection and the timing was fine, but your physicality was off. You so you that is the weird thing about comedy. One of the weird things is your physicality keys in the audience on when it's like, okay, now laugh, yeah, now laugh. Like, I think one of the best practitioners of that right now is Shane Gillis. Yeah, he's a good. He, like he's he's punctuates well. Like like him, Schultz, mm. are probably the top two, and, and then obviously like Chappelle does that very well as well. Yeah, but they 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 let it's almost like they freeze at a point to mm-hmm. let the audience like okay the laughter starts and they start moving around again. You got to give them space to think about it, and yeah. then a tag is like reminding them like, or even sometimes they didn't laugh at the joke, but you hit the tag, and then they're like, oh, yeah, I did like that because you got to space them. There's a there's like a musicality to it. There's it's it's it is musical. There's like rhythms to and each person's is different, but like you you do have to have that it's confidence in your material and also like I still will watch clips of myself and I don't think my physicality's good enough. Like I'm very I'm very hard on myself like perfectionist with this, but like there's a it's not like I don't I'm not a big act out like guy but i i want to try to be that more because i don't think it's serving the jokes very well and like one thing i've one note i've given myself recently is i have to in every set whether it's a mic or a show i have to yell once and whisper once because i'm not Mm. doing enough vocal dynamics otherwise i'm just i mean i can hear myself right now i'm very flat (laughs) if i don't make myself think about that i will just drone and when I'm watching it, I'm like, I would be bored if I was in the audience. Like, you got to do a little Stephen right. A. Smith. Like, give them some <laughs> entertainment. Like, hit it, hit it, <laughs> emphasize something. Like, give not as crazy as him. I mean, he's an artist, but like, you gotta, <laughs> you do have. To, so, like, that's my note for myself: is one whisper, one yell. You yeah. gotta have that range. You can't just ride that the whole time, like flatline always. You I'll just, got, you got to just go like this. Gotta the give whole some time. fucking heartbeat. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, hit, hit that word hit that line that's, like actually actually emphasize it so they can feel it i'm Otherwise, gonna use that that's, that's i mean fucking, that's a good way of looking at it it's i don't know if that's good advice for everybody some people yell too much some people whisper too well, no much, that is good like, advice for people that yell too much because if they're yelling too much they're fun. still flatlining they're just up here yeah. the whole fucking time maybe come back down to give the highs more value well that's i mean chuck early on and I don't, i'm not talking out of school we talked about this me and him directly but like his act used to be very screamy and he's taken it down because, and he still screams, but it's like, you can't be here the whole time. Like you have to give them some space so that this actually hits. If you're up here the whole time, there's nowhere else for you to go. Well, I can't get bigger. So you got to come back down. So then when you go up, it actually moves them in some way. 
I've noticed that even in the last two years that I've been like going out watching comedy, seeing by as a byproduct of that, seeing him do comedy. Yeah, he's really yeah. honed in the monotone of his act. Yeah. Look, I know we have to cut for time a little oh, early because yeah. of the open mic. So the last is thing, it? the last thing I want to ask you is, is, I definitely want to do this again because you're sure, just, you're just a fucking wealth of knowledge. But oh, thank you. Um, what what is keeping you loving comedy? Because again, like people will see it on a surface value, yeah. but you never really experience. Like me personally, I've bombed, but I don't think I've ever experienced a true bomb on stage. Sure, you know yeah. what I mean. You'll, like you'll a know it when you have like it. a real <laughs> doozy. Because I've I've done very poorly. I've fallen on my face on stage. But I go sit down, I'm like that sucked. But what did I learn? I can usually get a little bit of a positive spin on it. But yeah. I I know my first bomb is coming. I don't know when. That's exciting. I don't know where, yeah. but I know that my real first like oh god that was bad yeah is coming they hated me you know what i mean yeah they, they yes. want to fight me we're like it's they... so bad because that's that's a good way to put it actually because even on my second show that i did with a marie i did not do well at all did quite bad but the audience still kind of liked me yeah They're like oh look at the look at the puppy fall off the train yeah oh that sucks but it's like oh we feel bad for him but then i know that at some point i'm gonna do an open mic Maybe even a show where I say the one thing yeah. or I whatever it is where the audience in a majority contempt turns on me. Sure. And it's like, oh no, this dude's a uh, uh insert insert whatever phobe. Yeah. Bigot, whatever. So like people don't understand how bad that can truly be or how damaging that can be, right? So and I'm assuming you've experienced yeah. some pretty nasty bombs yourself. <sighs> Yeah. You know, so like what even with that the reason why I bring all that up is even when experiencing that what keeps you doing it? Just just yeah. you show up to a mic and you get up there and you say something, but then what keeps you loving it? Uh it's all just a fear of that happening. I'm just trying to <laughs> Uh just trying to stay afloat. Just don't want them to hate me. I still remember the bar outside Nashville. We, I had to vacate the premises. I didn't even get paid. They hated me that much. Oh, Jesus. Uh, was it a joke you said? I'm assuming. Like- I, dude, it was It was some, uh, uh, not to excuse myself, but, you know, like I was bad. But it, some places comedy should not happen. Like there are just some. Did you I go did, to a fucking clan rally? Where dude, were no, you? It might have been on like the next night. Like yeah, that's we got comedy tonight, and we got the <coughs> hoods and vests tomorrow. But it was like this place just had no interest in comedy. There it was forced upon them, and they, oh, it was a bar, man. and they're just like we fucking hate you. And I'm not. I don't think of myself as that. Like I can. I have you know. I got Trump jokes for some rooms. I got some other you know government whatever jokes for other rooms. Like I can play anyone, but they were like this fucking Yankee thinks he can come down here and talk to us with these big syllable words. Who the fucks? They hated me anyway. <laughs> the answer to the question is, um, my, I and it's a good question because I think anyone who does comedy for any strength any stretch of time, uh has to keep it fun for themselves it's too hard to do to just have as a hobby with no real aim to it like if you don't get something out of it just play chess dude like there's you got it won't hurt as much like the, <laughs> like just don't i mean seriously like you you there's easier ways to get a rush like you don't have to force like i see people and i'm like bro get a hobby that's not this but you're hurting yourself. <laughs> but for me, I love more, I mean, more than killing, more than having a great show. I love writing jokes. I just, my favorite part of comedy is when I write something and I think to myself, like, yeah, this is going to work. And then sometimes it doesn't. But that's fun too. I'm like, okay, I, I heard where it could work. And I like this. I'm excited about an idea. And so for me, like that, I can't beat that. That's that's my favorite thing in the world. And so, yeah, like I love crushing. I like having a great show. I like feeling like, yes, that was good. But you could take that away. I like writing. I like having an idea and sort of just seeing it through, like doing the arc of it. Like this started like this. I was excited about it. Yeah, no, I had a couple. No, 
heard heard the audience took some feedback got a note here we go and like just having that experience is still to me like that's my favorite thing that's the fun of it for me and i'm not saying like having great shows and killing is not important like if you like doing comedy you gotta have those if you want to be good but like you gotta like learn from those too but the baseline for me is just like just finding a new thing that you're like I got a new joke that I that's that's a priceless feeling like I just that that doesn't doesn't nothing beats that so that's what's fun for me fuck yeah well like I said man I would love to do this again sometime hell yeah anytime this has been a blast um for everyone listening uh where can they find you on like all your social media uh, stuff yeah I'm uh I'm sure my name will be in the thing it's hard to spell but it's just my first name and last name Tripstel Nikki on all the social medias, I do I do funny little videos. Follow me so I can get booked places. Uh, place some begging. And uh, so that was my one whisper. And um, uh, I got a show. When do these come out? Uh, uh, this is going to come out, what's today? Monday, so then yeah. that'll drop. Okay. This is going to, at the earliest, it'll be Friday. At the latest, it'll be a uh, week all from right. now. Well, you'll miss me on Thursday at Elvado, but... Uh oh, we mentioned the roast battle. That's um December 29th at Revel, and then I'm at the Outpost two days before that, December 27th. That's an old town. And then if you're in Santa Fe on New Year's Eve, I'm doing a show at Santa Fe Improv. Fuck yeah! Got all that on the socials. Hell yeah! Well, again, thank you, man, for your time. Thanks I know it's valuable. So thank you for coming. Appreciate you. And uh, thank you everyone for listening and watching. And we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Hell yeah. <laughs>